good morning. I'm joined this morning by Coriana Beyer and Elias Chapellis, policy analyst at the Show Me Institute. And today we're going to talk about Missouri economics, specifically why I looked at the Post-Dispatch yesterday and saw that the Missouri budget is up, I don't know, 40% over last year when we're in the middle of a supposed global pandemic. And I thought, well, a year and a half ago when the sky was falling, I thought that the state was going to be out of money, we were going to be uh, like the depression in the 1930s, and it was uh, really dire. Now we have more money than we can spend, and I want you guys to explain to me why that is. Elias, you're the pro, you're the expert. There's a a lot to that, so... Well, unpack it, because it's confusing as just a citizen of Missouri to, to see that when a lot of people don't have money and people are getting evicted and, you know, there's financial problems everywhere and the state seems to have, you know, bounteous sums of money. Well, a lot of the money in the budget can only go to specific things. So state revenues last year were down over 6% from the year before. So with the middle of the pandemic, you know, unemployment rates were going up, GDP was down. And so the state revenues dropped a bunch. And so the state kind of had to scramble and uh, this year they are up, and part of part of the revenues come, you know, from federal government support. But just because the federal government is giving Missouri money doesn't mean you can scale up every state program, put the money wherever you want. So we're we're kind of in the middle of a a difficult spot where our our revenue is going to stay the same. Are are they going to stay up? Are we going to continue to be able to support all these programs? And is this one-time money and what are you going to do with these short-term infusions like to improve the state going forward or um, obligate a long-term cost? So do we know is the if it went down by six percent and now it's up by 25 percent 25 yeah then uh, that's a still a big difference so we made up the six percent and then some is the difference federal stimulus money or is it money generated from Missouri uh, income taxes and sales taxes? So those percentages themselves are state income and sales taxes. But one key difference is that last year, the federal government pushed back the income tax filing deadline. And so most Missourians normally are paying these income taxes in April. And so with that getting pushed back into the next fiscal year, we technically have two years of income tax uh, collections here. So you're seeing kind of an artificial jump there. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to disentangle exactly how much revenues are up. I mean, they're they're definitely better. So just for an example, uh, in 2019, Missouri brought in roughly $10 billion in um, net general revenue. Last year, it got uh, lower, closer to nine. And okay. now we're over, now we're at about 11. How are we up so much? How are we up so much? I mean, we're recovering pretty quickly. Are, yeah. We're recovering pretty quickly, but uh, you know, the, there really still is the uh, feeling, at least, that we're not completely back to normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, hard to really know. And I think our unemployment rate, I haven't checked it uh, this past month, but we still weren't back to our pre-pandemic levels. So, you know, I would guess our revenues are really somewhere in the middle, probably like mm-hmm. a moderate growth from 2019, but not really, not really as bad as things were last year. But what that means from a budgeting standpoint it's still a little bit hard to know, but we still have a ton of federal money coming in. But we just passed a budget, right? Literally. Well, yeah, we we did, and they're uh, they're estimating this year's budget to be the biggest one yet. I yeah. I, I, I feel like I've been saying it's that weird. ever since I <laughs> yeah. started the Show Me Institute. Every year, it's a little bit bigger, 
but uh, a couple years ago it was a little bit lower um, because because you know the revenue revenues were kind of down there evening out a little bit but then we got just tons of federal money so what what we're looking at is 2020 Missouri spent about 28 billion dollars in the revenue so or in the budget so what that what that means uh, on top of the, our state income taxes, state sales taxes, we get a bunch of federal money. We have, well, you said ten billion state revenue, so about yeah. eighteen billion federal. Um, so it's not all federal. So we have what are called other funds. So those can be. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. You have um, road funds, gas taxes, sure, sure, sure. Uh, <clears throat> specifically defined funds that they're collected somewhere and they can only go to certain things, and those don't go into general revenue. General revenue. Our income and sales taxes; those are uh, the funds that our elected officials have the most flexibility mm-hmm. for spending. And so, uh, in 2020, the state spent about 28 billion. But with all this federal money mm-hmm. and our recovery for next year or the fiscal year that just started last week, we're looking at spending about 35 billion. Wow! So, I mean, that's huge. That's a huge jump. Same and is true in education portion of the budget. I know I talk about it all the time. It's huge. And you're you're looking at also probably uh, another uh, spending bill that gets added to that's that right. for more more federal money. So, that, so mm-hmm. that's not here yet. Um, so as the pandemic hit a year and a half ago, those of us here at the Showman Institute who monitor policy in Missouri started thinking about how to shift gears and looking into what will be interesting to people for the next couple of years. And one thing that came up is. Missouri was known, and you've written about this, Elias, that we were known to not be very well prepared for a recession. So you launched into a paper to talk about what the impending doom was probably going to be on the Missouri budget. That paper is soon to be published? or It is published. Is yeah. published. It is published. What, published yesterday? Today? Oh, like last week. Oh, last week. Okay. <laughs> is published. My bad. So the paper is published, but still it's taken a while to get from the idea stage to the publication stage. And in the meantime, so many things have changed in what we thought was going to happen versus what happened, right? So, yeah. so Coriana, you specifically were looking at the local angle? Yeah, so um, local angle and kind of the personal um, angle, like each individual person, because we saw unemployment rise sure. a lot obviously, and businesses having to shut down or operate on such a limited scale. Um, But because of a lot of the federal unemployment, we actually saw a majority of people um, on unemployment making over 100% of what they made before. So normally when unemployment rises, you expect that people kind of scale back on their spending. Obviously not 100%. They still need food and things like that, but scale back a lot um, of their like sort of disposable income. But we didn't see that because people had a ton of money. They would get giant checks, checks from the government right? and mm-hmm. um, spend it on just anything that they could to pass the time while they were at home mostly. So we didn't see the huge falls in um, tax revenue that we thought we were going to see. Um, and that's kind of an ever-evolving thing, kind of similarly how the government is still might get more money. Um, up until recently, Missouri um, unemployed people were still getting that extra federal money. So it's kind of evolving. Um, We might see now that the unemployment has ended, we might start to actually see what our economy looks like without that federal um, money thrown in there. 
So what about um, cities and counties? Are you seeing sales tax, proposed sales tax increases, or are you seeing cities and counties saying that their revenue is down because of the pandemic? Because it seems like it it wouldn't be based on what you were just talking about. Yeah, we're not really seeing um, increases so much um, because of the extra money that people were able to spend. And we're not seeing them in a bad place. We do kind of see that they have some stimulus money that they're not sure how to spend. It has so many strings that they are a little wary of spending it in certain places. Sure, sure. And I think that we might see maybe a proposed tax increases or budget problems in the future when all that federal money is gone and we're just left with the remnants of this recession and things are back to normal for businesses and things like that. We might start to see maybe some long-term higher unemployment when we see more of like the businesses shut down and then Mm -hmm. people actually left without jobs for longer periods of time. So I don't think we'll see any of that for maybe a few years, if ever. And then the property tax one is interesting too because the real estate market is on fire. So in just about every place, property tax, property values are up. So are you seeing any places where um, property tax increases are being proposed, like rate increases? Not that I know of, but Property taxing is interesting because it's on a lag. Assessments are all on a lag. So when you see like income and sales taxes drop as soon as people stop spending, the revenue goes down. But property decisions, first of all, are more longer term. When you lose your job, you maybe cut your vacation, you cut, you know, Mm -hmm. the clothes that you're buying, but you don't automatically think I need to sell my house or I need to sell my car or things like that. So it's all on a little bit more of a lag. Um, The increase in what's happening in the real estate market is crazy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know too much about it, but what we'll see in terms of the rates will definitely be more lagged even more than the um, like sales and income tax revenue that we see. So the paper that you guys started to write a year and a half ago was what Missouri can do if we are facing a recession. And that still holds true, right? We still are not very recession ready. Is that right? Right. So what Moody's looked at, so Moody's Analytics, the um, basically this arm of the credit rating agency, the, mm-hmm. the group that says the federal government's AAA credit rating or Missouri, uh, they, they looked at state budgets after 2008, they started doing this, where they basically said, you know, it, it can be pretty bad if your state runs out of money. And if you're thinking of just budgets, you you essentially just have your inflow of money, your revenues, and where you spend money. And f- so for the state, what you're looking at is uh, there's a recession, uh, revenues start falling, people are unemployed. And then on the other side, you have expenditures going up because states have a big role in the various safety net programs we sure. have. You know, people are unemployed, people go on unemployment insurance, uh, people can enroll in Medicaid, people can get food stamps, stuff like that. And so the idea of looking at this uh, recession preparedness is this idea that, you know, Missouri doesn't have that much control over what it can do with the expenditure part of things. So when you're looking at the crazy world we saw in early to mid 2020, it's like the sky is falling, like revenues could be dropping like crazy. I think uh, GDP dropped 35 percent. It's like what's going to happen? And so it's trying to look at, you know, what can Missouri do? What can Missouri do um, relating to how it brings in revenue? What can it do to change how it's spending uh, spending its money 
And what can it? And and then I guess the ultimate thing is, you know, given how much you're spending, how your money's coming in, how can you save for those times that you can't really uh, can't really control the volatility of revenues or expenditures? So I want to know more about what you can do. But first, I want to know why is Missouri comparatively less prepared than other states? Is there something about the way we do our budgeting? I know we have a balanced budget amendment, which means we can't spend more than we take in. But is there something else that makes us positioned to be at uh, abnormally high risk if there is a recession? Well, Coriana, you wrote some about the um, like the taxes Missouri uh, collects, the volatility of those, and then I can go a little bit into the expenditure part of it. Sure, sure. Yeah, so the biggest thing, or not the biggest thing, but one of the things is the tax makeup of Missouri. Um, so tax, the different kinds of taxes have different levels of volatility. Normally income taxes are the most volatile, followed by sales taxes and then property taxes. And that just has to do with um, kind of like I mentioned, property taxes tend to be larger long-term purchases stable. that don't fluctuate. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. more stable um, with income and sales being much more volatile. And Missouri um, relies more heavily on income and sales taxes okay. than property taxes and just generally more than other states. Oh. So Missouri, um, the share of the total revenues that income and sales taxes make up is 49%. The national average for that is 37%. So just okay. relative, we rely on them more heavily and they're more volatile. So so a state like Texas with no income tax would be better prepared for a recession? Yes, because when you hit a recession, um, the income and sales taxes, they go up and they go down, where property taxes stay more stable. And so your revenue would stay more stable if they're more reliant on property taxes. So does that mean that Missouri should shift some of their tax revenue from income and sales tax well, the state doesn't levy property taxes, right? Yeah, the state doesn't levy property taxes. So at the state, switching from less reliance on income to more reliance on sales tax would mm -hmm. reduce that volatility. So if you're looking for a more stable form of revenue, switching or shifting towards sales taxes, and then for localities, shifting towards property taxes yeah. would make revenues less volatile, more stable, especially during downturns. But we're kind of addicted to those taxing districts, right? So we yes. love our sales tax in Missouri. Like, we do have, like, crazy taxing policies when it comes to what localities can do. More on that later. But well, well, and in Missouri, we're kind of addicted to tax credits. Yeah, we so, do like to give it away. So we're, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize about our tax code is Missouri is foregoing 500 plus million dollars each year in, uh, you know, everyone's individual income tax, sales taxes. So that's essentially people in Missouri are paying these taxes to fund these level of services, but the government is never getting the government. Explain, is, explain what you mean. Okay. So Missouri has a variety of tax credit programs and whenever someone gets a tax credit through this program, what that means is they can, uh, they cannot pay taxes on a certain amount. Uh, uh, Say in a given year, their tax liability is $1,000. Well, they have $1,000 of tax credits. They just don't pay those taxes. And so uh, those aren't concluded in the budget, but what that can do is lower the amount of money that Missouri brings in. And what you can anecdotally see if you look through tax credit redemptions through the past decade or so, when times are bad, people turn to tax credits. And so the, the tax credit <coughs> redemptions go up. And so when you're looking at a period where, you know, unemployment's up uh, and you're thinking that revenues are going to decline, you're also going to look at something where people are probably going to start claiming more tax credits and 
your overall revenues for your government are going to go down even more. So what can we do on the spending side? We do have a, a rainy day fund, right, which is exactly what it sounds like. You're sock money away in case your revenues go down, and then you can pull money out of it. So we have this savings account, a rainy day fund. Beyond that, what, 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 what do you think we should do to be more recession-proof? Coriana mentioned shifting from income tax to sales tax. What else? Well, so one of the big things we could do is look at the biggest spenders. Um, now, these are going to be changes that are hard to make in the middle of a recession. So the places where um, expenditures go up during a recession are essentially the Medicaid program. I mean, people are going to start enrolling. What, what we saw uh, over the past year is over 200,000 new people came on to Missouri's Medicaid program. Where without our, expansion. Without expansion, <clears throat> our state's Medicaid enrollment is over a million now, which it's never been before. And we have 6 million people. We have 6 million people. So you're, you're looking at Close to 50% of people under, under the age of 18 in Missouri are on the state's Medicaid program. I mean, it's a... It's so it's a, not really a safety net. It's, it's, a, it's a very... <laughs> Unless know, everyone right. is at risk. Like, it's not really a safety net if, if half of the children under the age of 18 are enrolled in the program. Yeah, and what, what you see is that, you know, during these recessions, if a parent loses their job, mm-hmm. um, how Missouri's eligibility uh, criteria are, the parents might not be able to enroll. And so if they lo- if the parent loses a job, even if they can't get health coverage, they're going to get their kids some. And you know, in in some ways that is, you know, a good thing about Missouri, but you have this problem where Missouri's Medicaid program is just so expensive. And uh, nationally Missouri spends 12th most um, per enrollee mm. on you know, just per person, just dollar amount. And the reason for that is uh, the rates Missouri pays for the various services, uh, the amount of people on the program, um, the amount of services they covered. And, and in a lot of ways, uh, Missouri's Medicaid program is actually very generous. And the costs, or something I've written about a lot, are just astronomical. And so, and when you add people, then by definition, total cost goes up. Right. And the federal government, it, for their part in this pandemic, you know, they pitched in money for Medicaid because a lot of states are in the same spot. But that doesn't mean it's something that Missouri should just shrug off and say, well, you know, the federal government's going to pick this up because Missouri's still on the hook for roughly 35% of all Medicaid costs. And so people coming on, the services Missouri uh, offers, that's still adding to a cost that, you know, when times are bad, the cost of the program is going to go up so much at the exact worst uh, possible time for the so state's budget. What can, what can we do? I mean, I'm all for children having the health care that right. they need for sure. It makes a big difference in their lives. But what could we do to, um, in terms of the budget to rein in the cost? That's a really difficult question, honestly. Oh, there, I'm glad I answered there, it's, a, it's, a very, <laughs> it's a very hard uh, thing that a lot of states are struggling with. That's but right. But what you can look at, or what I normally look at, is uh, go through and see basically how Missouri's paying for uh, their services and seeing what uh, seeing just what services are being offered as compared to other states. So the with the Medicaid program, the federal government requires uh, certain services be covered, but there are some things that they don't. For example. So so for example, um, the federal government doesn't require states to cover pharmacy benefits, but basically every state does because if if you're going to have health coverage uh, you really want people taking their medicine yeah. because if not, you're going to end up in the emergency room and that's pretty expensive. But what you don't see everywhere uh, is a service like chiropractic care. Uh, 
Sure. Um, Missouri covers that. And a lot of states don't. And, you know, part of this is whenever you're looking at providing health coverage for some of the sickest, most vulnerable people in society, you have to make some decisions about, you know, is offering this more comprehensive plan, is it going to save you money elsewhere? Yeah. And frankly, Missouri doesn't do a very good job of tracking the data of, you know, if this is doing that. And on the Medicaid side of things, there's a lot of overuse of emergency rooms yeah. because, I mean, in part because it's not something that Medicaid enrollees are going to be paying when they go to the emergency room. You know, I'm trying to, I mean, I'm healthy, but I generally try to avoid the emergency room because that bill is going to be crazy. Right. And you can imagine that if you can go to the doctor at any point that you want and it's free, you know, why make an appointment if they tell you you can't get in sure. for six months or something, you know, like, so there's a lot of things that you could do to lower the cost and the emergency room is the most expensive place to get services. So there's a lot of different areas to lower costs that way, but it's certainly a difficult problem, but it's something that Missouri has not even so tried to take to very get seriously. Our heads around. Yeah. Okay. Coriana, what could we do about the rainy day fund to improve it, make it more recession proof, recession ready? Oh, you're asking if I read a lot of the sections of the paper. <laughs> um, well, Elias is the expert, but I do know that some of the problems with the rainy day fund is that it's actually too difficult to use. And there's so many strings attached that we never actually use it. And to some extent, you want it to be difficult. You don't just want a pile of money that sure. legislators or anyone can just grab and use whenever they want. But when you have a situation like a recession, if you have a rainy day fund, you'd think that's the time to be able to use it when you should need to use it and be able to. And I don't think that we've ever used the rainy day fund. Right. Um, Is so, that right? We've never used it? Not even in the last recession? In this in this version of the rainy day fund, we've never used it for budget uh, stabilization. Wow. So it seems that it's something that if it's going to exist and it has a purpose, you should at least be able to use it for its purpose. Sure. So um, there's you don't want to make it too easy to use so that it's used outside of its purpose, but it should be made a little bit easier to use so that we can access it when we need to. And I think it's something, too, that I, I don't think a lot of local governments have money sitting aside. You know, so when you're looking at the state government, uh, there's clearly some problems with the rainy day fund in that. It's basically used for cash flow purposes. So the, the state government's spending a ton of money every month, and that doesn't always match up with when sales tax or income tax receipts are coming in. So just for keeping keeping the lights on, you have to borrow from some fund. But it, they generally don't have enough there, especially when accounting for um, needing to use it for other things. So you know, if you can think of your personal savings account or something, where mm-hmm. you're you're borrowing to pay for your bills but then you know you lose your job and then it's like well i didn't have enough money in in my (laughs) i'm i'm in serious trouble now i and you know missouri's basic approach is that you're not going to be able to use this fund so the federal government should save us but i i think local governments are in a much different spot in in that you know the actually this recession or this past year's um local aid is pretty unprecedented i mean we we've actually We've actually had two recessions in a row now where the federal government has bailed out states. But that money's not always going to local governments, and their financial situations are a little bit different. Mm. Are we getting ourselves into a habit then, every time there's a recession, that the federal government's going to come in and save us? I mean, I think so. I would hope not, but that doesn't seem to be 
the case. I mean, you never want to just think that someone is going to come and bail you out because if you get in such a dire situation and then they don't bail you out, right. what happens to you? That's right. Um, you don't want that to happen to local governments or anything. And even if it's not a super dire situation, um, anytime that a government can't, you know, if they are running low on money, it's public services mm-hmm. that are either going to fall down, which directly impacts its citizens, or they're going to have to raise taxes to make up for that, which obviously directly affects its citizens. Right. So it's um, budgeting is not the most exciting thing to talk right. about, but people should care about it because if you get into a bad budget situation, it's, then you care. it's them that's going to be affected. It's So that makes me think of like just general budgeting pa- practices. Could we index how much the budget could increase to inflation? Could we um, do zero-based budgeting where we reconsider every department's budget from scratch every year? Are there just general good government budget practices that we should be implementing at both the state and local level? I think there are, but there, as with most things budget-related, there's a lot of you know technical details. So sure. as uh, as we're mentioning a minute ago, you know, this rainy day fund is something that the reason it's not used is that there are so many strings attached to it. And so if you look at Missouri and um, the expenditures are tied to past policy decisions where th- it's really not something that you're it's going to be very easy to change in the middle of a recession and your revenues are not something that are going to be very easy to change in a recession. You know, your unemployment rate skyrocketing. Are you trying to raise taxes immediately? And so there, there's a lot that goes into, you know, what would be the best practices because putting another restriction on what you're doing when you already have restrictions that are making things, you know, possibly more difficult are hard, but you know, you also don't want to be encouraging bad behaviors. And so you don't want rainy day funds being used at the wrong times. You don't really want the state to be, you know, bringing in more revenue than it needs. You don't want it to be spending more money than it needs. And you don't want just a windfall of a better economy to just fuel a growing government for, you know, uncontrollable size. Many people, not everyone, many, many people don't connect the dots on the fact that the government spends money that they send to the government, right? (laughs) So they love for the government to, quote unquote, spend money on them. And yet they forget that it's us who pays for the government to spend money on us. So I think that's a, a very important reminder that we need to think about, especially right now when the federal government is writing such big checks. But um, I also think that these aren't the kind of decisions that or practices you put in place during a recession, right? Don't you do this when you're when times are good and you think, okay, like how can I be ready for that next downturn? And then that's when we could put, implement some better budgeting practices, right? Well, hopefully, hopefully there's some <laughs> hopefully there's some lessons to be learned. I think. I think one of the big things for Missouri, you know, if you're looking at uh, starting some different budgetary practices, you know, you you want to get an idea across all levels of government, just how good are they at doing anything they're spending money on, right? right? Like, I don't know how much it costs to build a mile of the road. Like, the, there's a lot of things out there that uh, the government's spending a lot of money on that I don't know how much it costs or how good they're doing. You know, sure. I, I think I've seen stuff before where... You know, some local governments are spending way more to do some to provide some services than some other places. And, you know, Missouri's Medicaid program is more expensive than similar sized states um, on a per on a per um, enrollee basis. You know, so when you're talking about these 
making these bigger reforms, I think, you know, one of the first places to start would be looking at the quality of the data that we have out there just to see how we're doing. And then, you know, seeing what we're good at, seeing what we're bad at and trying to adjust our spending priorities going forward. But I think, uh, you know, the paper we published last week has a lot to go for on the idea of just where to start. We, we have some general ideas and, um, you know, let those guide the direction and let the data um, fill out the rest. Coriana, what's your number one general idea on where to start? Um, I would say reforming the tax system, so shifting away from some of those income taxes and towards sales or property taxes. Um, but kind of going off what Elias said, the hard part, like what makes it even more of an uphill battle for some of these ideas is that looking at some of the 2020 data shows you that sales tax revenues did not go down or income tax revenues did not go down. So some of the lessons that you would hope would be learned during a recession um, might not sink in as well because um, people are kind of excited about the fact that their revenues didn't go down for whatever reason and maybe not connecting that those reasons are kind of artificial and come from the federal government and um, don't follow the general trend for recessions. Yeah. So I think it becomes more of an uphill battle when we didn't see ourselves in the dire position that it could have been in. It's yeah. a harder sell to say like, well, you know, things weren't so bad, but next time they could be really bad and this is what you That's need right. to do. I see small school districts in Missouri who typically have a budget in a given year of about $5 million and they're getting an extra million. And now I can only imagine... I'm not impugning any motives, but I can only imagine that they're at their school board meetings like, you know, should we repave the parking lot? I don't like what should we do? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. a massive amount of money. It's 20 percent of their typical budget. Should we uh, I don't know. Should we plant some tree? I just think it's going to be like what it's more money than we ever expected. It's more money than we were planning. It was more money than we ever thought. Like if we got an extra million dollars, what would we do with it? And now they're thinking of it uh, kind of on the fly, you know, and that's not when you make your very best decision. So I have said this, I'm like a broken record now. And I said it on the radio this morning, but my concern is five years from now, we're gonna look back and say, gosh, what do we do with that six or eight billion that the federal government sent us? (laughs) It's a ton of money. Start moving decimal points around and you'll really, I don't think people get the uh, um, concept of a billion, but a billion dollars is a lot of money. And if several billion or what what do you think the total federal stimulus end up being for Missouri? Oh, I I couldn't even guess. I mean, education is three and a half. So yeah. So tons of 10 billion, probably 10 billion. And we're just like, where'd that go? I mean, that will be such a missed opportunity. Um, I hope that there are smart people thinking about this, and I hope that they're thinking about this money in terms of uh, using some of it to get ready for the next time and taking it as an opportunity to build in better practices, even though we dodged a bullet. You know what I mean? Like, we mm-hmm. all feel like we we saw the bullet coming straight at us, and somehow we <laughs> dodged it. But that doesn't mean that there won't be another one. This was a clear V-shaped recession, driven less by economic forces and more by uh, health so it doesn't mean that there isn't another one coming. Um, I hope that lots of folks read your paper and find out about how to, um, how to make some things happen. And legislatively, hopefully, we'll see some, some takeaways in the next legislative session. I do think that it's important to improve some of our processes in Jefferson City minimally, to your point about the data, Elias, minimally the 
uh, systems running the technology and the data collection and dissemination. I think there's a lot of work to be done there. So, And uh, I, one thing I'm very excited for is that uh, every year there's always tons of groups that say, you know, we'd be able to do so much better if we just had a little bit more money. And here we go. And now they're, <coughs> getting, now they're getting the money, so let's see. This is good stuff, you guys. And if anyone wants to read the paper, they can go to showmeinstitute.org. Coriana, the title of the paper is... Making Missouri Resilient, Assessing State and Local Government Recession Preparedness. Nice. All right, well, thanks for joining me, you guys. Mm-hmm.